Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Talkin' Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Talking Golf with Ann LaGore on this Sunday morning, July 9th. How are we doing this morning? I hope you had a great 4th of July holiday week. Played lots of golf, made lots of uh, pars and some birdies. Talking Golf with Ann LaGore is brought to you by Ivy Cole Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology along with SPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKUL.com to learn more. The U.S. Women's Open at iconic Pebble Beach. Final round later this afternoon with prime time coverage on NBC Sports. Very excited to talk about it. First time the U.S. Women's Open is at Pebble Beach. And I'll give you the leaderboard in a second. At 8.40 this morning, Ron Syrak, longtime award-winning golf columnist. He will join us live from Pebble Beach. It's going to be early for him. But uh, we'll connect with him at about 8.40. And, you know, I've heard from a lot of you who are really enjoying watching these best women players in the game navigate the familiar holes of Pebble Beach. And, you know, there's nothing more glorious in golf than to see a major championship at Pebble on a sunny day. <laughs> and yesterday was one of those days. I mean, they had a few days of damp, cloudy weather and, and cold weather, really. But the sun came out yesterday. Winds gusted up to 25 miles an hour. And so it made Pebble Beach not only beautiful you know, to watch and to be there, but it just made it a, a brutal test. And um, a lot is being made of these women playing a major championship at Pebble. You know, Pebble has hosted, what, six previous majors, all men's majors. And I'm happy that the women are playing there now and have a bunch of other historic, iconic venues on the calendar for major championships in the years to come. But, you know, having said that, they have played some very prominent courses in the past. They played Olympic Club in 2022 or 2021. They played Court of All in 2016, Pinehurst number two in 2014. Sabonic right here in Southampton in 2013. Oakmont in 2010. 
and uh, next year they'll be at Lancaster Country Club. They're going to go to Aaron Hills in 2025. They're going to go back to Oakmont in 2028. They're going to go to the LA Country Club in 2032, and they'll be back at Pebble Beach in 2035, and they have other future dates there on the schedule already. And uh, Nasa Hatioka, 24 years old from Japan. She played incredible golf in really difficult conditions yesterday at Pebble. She carded a six under 66. So Hatioka, she's uh, seven under. She has a one-shot lead over Allison Corpus of Hawaii. And uh, Hatioka, that was a bogey-free 66. Two birdies on the front, four birdies on the back, including just a gorgeous chip-in from off the green on uh, the par four 16th, followed by a, a birdie putt on 17. She also had key par saves. Uh, I know she had one on 12. She had one on 15. So can she close it out later today? She's had two runner-up finishes in majors. She lost in the playoffs in 2018 in the Women's PGA Championship and uh, also in 2021 at the U.S. Women's Open at the Olympic Club. She lost in in a playoff to come to finish runner-up. So let's see if... She can close it out. She just played incredible yesterday, and it's so much fun to watch her on this very difficult golf course. And then you have Allison Corpus. She shot a one under 71, and she bogeyed that final hole to drop out of a tie for the lead. Actually had a chance on 17 for Birdie to take over the sole lead, but uh, didn't make it. She's 25 years old. She's from Hawaii. She is one shot back, so... It will be Corpus and uh, Hateoka in the final pairing. They will get started at 4.20 Eastern time. And live coverage on NBC Sports today from 3 to 9. Woohoo! Hayuju Kim shot a plus one. She's four under. She's three shots back. And then you have Bailey Tardy. What a good story. The 26-year-old from Norcross, Georgia. She had a qualify to play in this U.S. Women's Open. She went to Minnesota for the qualifying tournament, and she had to go into a four-hole playoff, which she actually closed out to uh, qualify to get into the U.S. Women's Open. So coming into yesterday's third round, Bailey Tardy had a two-shot lead. She didn't have her best stuff yesterday. She shot a plus 375. Her tee shot on the six went way right. She had a bogey there. She bogeyed nine. She birdied 11. She bogeyed 12. She doubled 15, birdied 16. But, hey, with a three over par 75, uh, Bailey Tardy, she's only three shots back. And, uh, you know, she's ranked 455th in the world. What a great uh, showcase of her skill. And she looks really fearless out there. So hopefully Bailey Tardy will do well today. Defending champion Minji Lee, she shot an even par uh, yesterday, plus one. She's six shots back. Rose Zhang. Y'all know Rose Zhang, who won her first pro event she ever played in last month. She shot an even par and joins Lee and others at plus one. Six shots back. Leona McGuire. She's at plus two overall. Nellie Corda has not had her best stuff. She's five over overall. She shot an even par yesterday. Lydia Ko shot a plus two yesterday. She's plus five overall. And two of the most influential women in golf, Annika Sorenstam and Michelle Wee, they played in their last U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach. Did not make the cut, but um, 
we, who won the U.S. Open back in 2014, she drained a long birdie putt on the 18th for a dramatic goodbye. Uh, her husband, Johnny West, is the son of uh, NBA legend Jerry West, and her husband caddied for her. Annika Sorenstam, she won three U.S. Opens and 10 major titles, retired literally 15 years ago, but she came back to play at uh, this special venue, and her husband, Mike, caddied for her, so... Good stories there with these two legends in the game. So we'll continue talking about it at about 8.40 this morning. And you know how much I love golf history. And you know how much New York, this area has. It's so rich in golf history. And I know last week we talked a bit about Shinnecock and National on the east end of Long Island. The week before, I interviewed the club historian at Baltusrol. This morning we were going to talk about Bobby Jones and the greatest amateur player of all time. And the golf course where he won his very first U.S. Open title, Inwood Country Club, which is located in Inwood, New York. It's one of the oldest golf courses on Long Island. And this coming week, they will be celebrating the centennial anniversary of Bobby Jones winning his first major title there in 1923. So they're putting on a grand celebration in honor of uh, the centennial and so this morning, none other than Dr. Bob Jones IV, who is uh, the grandson of the great Bobby Jones. He's going to join us in a few minutes. He's actually a sports psychologist in Atlanta. Uh, he'll join us along with Kyle Higgins, who is the head pro at Inwood Country Club. So really looking forward to that. Um, you know, it's, a, it's such a rich history at Inwood Country Club, as I said it was originally built as a nine-hole layout in 1901, extended to 18 holes in 1906. And then back in 1921, they actually hosted the PJ Championship, which was, which was won by Walter Hagen. And then two years later, Bobby Jones, he was 21 years old at the time, he, he won the U.S. Open there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how he did that coming up. And, uh, you know, just what a legend. He dominated the game. After he won that U.S. Open, really from 23 to, to 1929, he won nine major championships, including the career Grand Slam in 1930. And uh, all this while maintaining his amateur status, he really earned his living as a lawyer and competed only on a part-time basis. So his story is just incredible. You know, he founded, he co-founded the Masters Tournament. He assisted in the design of Augusta National. So we'll talk about Bobby Jones in a few minutes. And, of course, the calamity Jane Putter. We'll hear that story as well that he used to win the uh, U.S. Open. So let's see. what There's so much going on in golf. I mean, how do I get to all of it in like an hour, right? So John Deere Classic, the PGA Tour stop, Brendan Todd. Hit an eagle on the par five second hole, three birdies in four holes on the back. He shot a five under 66. And at 16 under, Brendan Todd has a one shot lead over Alex Smalley, Denny McCarthy, and Adam Shank. 23 players are within five shots of the lead in the John Deere Classic. Live Golf is at Centurion Club in England, where they played their inaugural event last year. And they only play three rounds, not four. But uh, Aussie Cameron Smith shot a 467 yesterday. He's a 12-under. He has a three-shot lead in the individual competition. 
over Thomas Peters, Mark Leishman, and Louis Uthazen. Patrick Reed at eight under, he is four shots back. And then the Aussie lineup of Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, Matt Jones, and Jediah Morgan, their team's called the Rippers. They have a one-shot lead in the team competition. And there has been some drama uh, between Brooks Kapka, the captain of the Smash Live team, and one of his players, Matthew Wolf, this week. And Kapka told SI Golf that he has, in quotes, basically given up on Wolf. He said, I mean, when you quit on your ground, you give up and stuff like that. That's not competing. I'm not a big fan of that. He said, you don't work hard. It's very tough. It's very tough to have even like a team dynamic when you've got one guy that won't work. One guy is not going to give any effort. He's going to quit on the course, break clubs, et cetera, et cetera. So Brooks was not happy and uh, said that about Matthew. And then Matthew answered back in a statement saying, while my 2023 season has not been all I had hoped for to this point, I have made positive strides in managing my life and feel like my game is turning for the positive. He said, to hear through the media that our team leader – Brooks Kepka, has given up on me, he said, is heartbreaking. It's not what a team member looks to hear from its leader. He said, I'm moving forward. I won't ever give up on myself. While on-course results may not appear now to be positive indicators, he says, I'm trying to win an even bigger game in my life. So, yeah, Matthew's had some issues through the years, as you know. So those two, we'll see what happens with Matthew. Uh, some more news in uh, on the PJ Tour. According to reports, PJ Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan will be returning to work on July 17th. There were questions about his future as PJ Tour Commissioner after the tour announced on June 14th that he was taking a leave because of a medical issue. They never said what that medical issue is. And all of this happened a week after he announced that the PJ Tour and the DP World Tour were partnering with the Saudi Public Investment Fund. Obviously, that news shocked the sports world. So good to hear he's feeling well enough to get back to work. But again, nobody really knows the extent of uh, his medical condition, really what happened. And I'm thrilled for Ricky Fowler. We talked about him a week ago. He won the Rocket Mortgage Classic last Sunday, birding the 18th to get into a playoff and then birding the 18th again on the first hole of sudden death to win his first title since 2019 Phoenix Open. And then, of course, very thrilled for Bernard Longer, who won the U.S. Senior Open Championship last Sunday at the age of 65. He became the oldest champion by eight years. This guy is a machine Unbelievable. It was his 12th senior major title, his 122nd overall victory. Can you believe it? 46th senior win, which surpasses Hale Irwin's record of 45 wins on the PJ Champions Tour. Just incredible. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about the centennial anniversary that Inwood Country Club will be celebrating this coming week. Bobby Jones' first U.S. Open win was at Inwood Country Club 100 years ago. And We'll have Bobby Jones' grandson, Dr. Bob Jones IV. He's going to join us in a few minutes. In addition to Inwood Country Club's head pro, Kyle Higgins. That's coming up. But first, let me tell you that Ivy Cole Luxury Athleisure Wear for both men and women offers the highest performance-driven apparel to look and feel your best on and off the course. Ivy Cole offers multifunctional, intelligent, moisture-sensor fabrics, 
featuring the exclusive Icefield technology that cools your skin up to five degrees so you can stay cool, comfortable, and odor-free on hot and humid days. Ivy Cool Apparel also features UPF 50 plus sun protection, colorful, stylish, ultra-soft fabrics with the latest technology to protect your skin. Look and feel your best. Learn more at IBKUL.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf. Hope you're having a great morning so far. And you know, there's so much golf history right in our own backyard, so to speak. At Inwood Country Club, which is in Inwood, New York, which is actually located adjacent to Jamaica Bay and just southeast of JFK International Airport, the club will be celebrating a very special centennial this coming week. And uh, joining us now to talk about it is Dr. Bob Jones, the fourth. He's a sports psychologist. He is the grandson of the great Bobby Jones and the head pro at Inwood Country Club, Kyle Higgins. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Talking Golf. Good morning, Ann. How are you doing? Good. And Dr. Jones, let's start with you. I understand you're coming up from Atlanta, Georgia to uh, take part in the festivities this coming week, right? Yes, ma'am. My wife and I fly up on Friday morning and we are just looking forward to spending the day soaking in a little history and I'm looking forward to playing a little golf at Inwood. Kyle Higgins, the head pro at Inwood Country Club. What does the club have planned in honor of this centennial anniversary? We have an incredible week coming up. Um, we actually have a two-day member event, Friday and Sunday. Uh, but the big celebration is actually going to be on Saturday, uh, where Dr. Jones, um, among other special guests, are going to be joining us from other Bobby Jones-affiliated clubs. Um, we have a, um, an 18-hole event with members and special guests, like I said, um, and also some fun contests during the, during the event. We'll actually have some, some of our members hitting shots from 200 yards out on 18, uh, similar to the famous Bobby Jones shot. Um, and also we'll have a putting contest with using a replica of Calamity Jane and closest to the pin contest using some hickory clubs so our members get a chance to uh, try out the kind of sticks they used in the 1920s, which are a lot harder to hit than the steel shafts today. I um, how fun <laughs> is that going to be? 
it's going to be great. Um, we shot a little video, which we'll be showing uh, that Saturday night as well, in some 1920s style uh, clothing, hickory clubs. Um, and we're also doing a gala that evening, um, 1920s dress with uh, guest speakers and some storytelling. So it should be a fantastic <laughs> event. Did you bring your knickers, Dr. Yeah. Jones? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, no, I have not. Um, I used to, I used to have a few pair, but, uh, but, but I've been running a little low. I have to replenish my stock. <laughs> well, let me just recap, you know, having read up on, you know, Bobby Jones has such an amazing history and we can talk for hours about his career and his life, but he had a three-shot lead going into the final round, ended up with a bogey, bogey, double bogey. He was tied with Bobby Cruikshank, who made birdie in the last hole to force an 18-hole playoff with Jones in that 1923 U.S. Open. The next day, they went into an 18-hole playoff, and Jones and uh, Cruikshank were all square through 17 holes. Then on the 18th, Bobby Jones smacked his his drive, and it landed, what, about 218 yards from the green, landed in the right rough, and from there he drilled a two-iron to within, what, it was six feet of the pin? Uh, yes, yes, that's exactly right. Now, the, the only thing that's interesting about that is Crookshank had hit the ball into the left rough. He'd hit a hook off the tee in the left rough, and he was left with no other option but to lay up uh, short of the water that guarded the front of the green. And when my grandfather got out to his shot, he saw that even though he had been in the right rough, he was on um, essentially a piece of hard pan, and which actually uh, gave him the opportunity to hit the two iron, but it presented yet just another challenge to the whole thing, and that was if he hit it just even a slightly bit behind the ball, uh, it would have just been death for the shot because there was no margin for error on that shot at all. And where is that infamous two-iron? <laughs> it is uh, in the display case at Augusta National Golf Club, along with all of his other, um, all of his other clubs and, what, and Calamity Jane 1. Calamity <laughs> Jane 2, which was the one that he used to win the Grand Slam, uh, is at the United States Golf Association. And Dr. Jones, talk, tell the story of Calamity Jane Putter because it actually involves another golf course on Long Nassau Island, Country Nassau Club. Country Club. That's correct. Jimmy Maiden, who was the brother of Stuart Maiden, who was my grandfather's teacher, Jimmy was the pro at Nassau Country Club. And when Bub was playing, uh, playing in a tournament, uh, Jimmy noticed that he was using an old center-shafted mallet putter, which was great on the slow Bermuda greens of the south, but dreadful on the fast bent grass greens in, uh, in the north. And so he had found this putter. Allegedly, it had been tossed by a player into a cemetery that was adjoining the golf course. And he thought this blade putter, which had Calamity Jane stamped on the back of it, would be just perfect for my grandfather, and so he gave it. Uh, he gave it to him, and Bub played with it until he had hit so many putts that the face became concave, and that's when he had Calamity Jane two made. But obviously, Maiden's judgment was correct, and uh, he had found the right putter for the right man. And you you called your grandfather Bub. You still call him Bub. Talk a little yes, bit sir. about yes, you know how how old he was when, you know, you were a kid and, and did you have a chance, did you have a lot of time to talk to him about his career? We never would talk about golf. Uh, he just, ref 
refused to do that. And the reason why is because when I was a young man, he was ill with a disease called syringomyelia. It would be the disease that would later take his life when he was 69 years old. And I never knew him when he was not at least on two canes. So he was very present focused. He stayed very, very much in the moment. And as a result of that, uh, he just would not talk about his playing career. He would watch golf on television with my father. And I remember sitting in his little uh, sleeping porch that had been uh, glassed in, watching golf tournaments on TV and listening to him analyze what was, uh, what was going on uh, in the tournaments. But, uh, but in terms of discussing his golf, he just would not do it. Wow, that's interesting. And, and Kyle, what about at Inwood Country Club? Do you have memorabilia there about, you know, from Bobby Jones's win in 1923? Yes, actually, not only do we have pictures of him littered all over the clubhouse um, in uh, various attire, whether he was wearing a tie tucked in or his bow tie or his jacket. Um, so we have pictures of him all over the clubhouse, as well as a replica set in our Wall of Champions which actually has some old documentation from the club as well. So it's a really cool hall of history. Um, and we, uh, we're really honored that Bobby Jones has such a uh, great history here at Inwood Country Club. Absolutely. Right here in the New York metropolitan area. And, you know, a loyal fan of the show, a lot of times I get people writing in questions. And Rob from Lake Success often writes, uh, he loves golf, and he wanted to know if Bobby Jones was, you know, ever talked about that, that two iron, that infamous shot. Is there any, perhaps, record of, of him talking about that shot at Inwood Country Club or anywhere? Yes, he wrote about it. Uh, he wrote about it rather extensively in his uh, autobiography that was published in 1927 um, called Down the Fairway. And he made it absolutely clear that coming into that tournament, uh, he was really at the point of giving up competitive golf because at that point he was considered like what we would call now the best player never to win a major, which uh, it was a title he didn't particularly want. And he, when he came down to the wire there, he really felt as though he was faced with a do or die moment that he would either execute that shot and go ahead and win the tournament while he had a chance, or he wouldn't, and that would be that. You know, I find it really fascinating that uh, two of the most pivotal moments that happened in his career, the two inflection points without which there probably never would have, hap- would have been a Grand Slam, happened within uh, about a 20-mile radius uh, of New York City. And, and one of them, of course, was the two-iron shot at Inwood, which, without which he wouldn't have continued. Uh, and the other was the 12-foot putt that he made at Wingfoot to force the playoff with Al Espinosa. So it's really, really amazing just how important uh, the New York area was to his eventual accomplishment of the Grand Slam, and most importantly, what he did with the shot heard round the world at Inwood. Had that not happened, we would not be talking today. Wow. Just incredible history right here in New York. That's fascinating. Really fascinating. So he talked a lot about that in his book? Yes. Well, uh, about the shot at 
uh, about the shot at Inwood? Yes, that's in Down the Fairway. He did discuss some of uh, the shot at the putt at uh, Wingfoot in his book, Golf is My Game, which was published in 1960. Right. And then, of course, 1930, the uh, Grand Slam, winning all four major championships in the same calendar year. And back then, it was the Amateur Championship. He won it at St. Andrews. The Open Championship, Royal Liverpool. The U.S. Open, Interlochen in Minnesota. And the U.S. Am at Marion. And, uh, boy, what an accomplishment. And... You know, the stuff of legend, obviously. And, but I read where he made a bet on himself. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great story. Yeah, tell that story. Not true. That's just not true. Oh, it's not true? Uh, no. Really? They, they got the wrong Bobby. <laughs> the Bobby really? Inter- and interestingly enough, considering that we're talking about Inwood, the person who made the bet on Bub in 1930, and he made it when Bub was in the amateur championship, was actually none other than Bobby Crookshank. Bobby oh, Crookshank bet, bet something like $50 on Bub that he would win the first three of the four tournaments, and he won $10,500 on that bet. But it was actually, it was, it was a Bobby, but it wasn't Bobby Jones. Oh, that's Bobby great. Bobby Crookshank. Thanks for straightening so, that out. Another Inwood connection, though. Exactly. It all leads right. back to Inwood, Kyle. Higgins. It all comes back to Inwood. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> I love it. Well, what about, you know, I've seen some great footage of Bobby Jones. There, there's e-footage of him winning his fourth major, um, the, the USAM at Marion Golf Club. That footage is incredible. And the, the spectators, there were so many spectators, and they didn't have crowd control back then, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did not. In fact, when he founded the Masters Tournament, one of the things that he was most insistent on was roping the entire golf course to keep the patrons, uh, as he said, a safe distance away from the competitors. Right, right. Any other fun facts about your grandfather that you'd love? I mean, there's so much to talk about, but anything that we may not know or have read about the great Bobby Jones? No, I think I think we've about covered it at least as far as uh, as far as the U.S. Open of '23. In terms of just my own memories, um, I I just will always recall him uh, as a warm and very caring man, but one who could also be quite stern. Which, uh, when you think about what he accomplished in uh, in his sport, uh, that's not exactly a surprise. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So you got, you had some time to spend with him, but you said he was pretty much in a wheelchair. He had the uh, yes. degenerative spinal disease. But when people asked him if he was ever bitter, Dr. Jones, he always had an interesting reply to that. He did. He would, al- he would always say that, you know, if, and he said this to Al Laney of the International Herald Tribune, a sports writer, he said to Al, he said, you know, Al, he said, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible disease and it's going to get worse. It's never going to get better. But, Al, in golf, we play the ball as it lies. And so now we will never talk about this again. Unbelievable. And one last uh, comment about Bobby Jones. And I know when he was younger, he was said to have had a bad temper. But back then, they didn't have sports psychologists like yourself, right, Dr. Jones? How did he get out of that? Well, I think two things. Uh, number one, he had, uh, he had a grandfather of his own who was uh, a little bit tough on stuff like that. 
But the other thing was he had a, a person who may as well have been a sports psychologist, and that was a sports writer named O.B. Keeler, who before the, the playoff, he finally looked at my grandfather and he said to him, he looked him right in the eye and he said, Robert, you need to get it through your mind right now that you are the greatest golfer in the world. And when you get that in your head, you're not going to win one tournament, you're going to win a bunch of them. And then, of course, Bub went out to play Crookshank in the playoff, and the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, what great stories. Kyle Higgins, I'm sure it's been fun for you to kind of delve into all this history. Did you learn anything about Bobby Jones recently that you didn't know? You know, I've, I've been following up on his career for quite a while, so everything Dr. Jones has said is um, things I've read or, or some uh, additional anecdotes that I haven't. But um, not anything in particular other than the fact that the Calamity Jane story, which I didn't know about the, uh, the cemetery part of that story, which is pretty interesting. Um, it's, it, Bobby Jones has a lot of history here. Um, we're incredibly honored and excited to, to be hosting this gala um, and hosting such a great celebration and have, have such incredible guests like Dr. Jones joining us. Um, it's really going to be a wonderful week and, uh, and weekend. And um, I thank you for, uh, for allowing me the opportunity to chat with you today. Hey, have a great week. It's so exciting. Thank you so much for coming on this show. Dr. Jones and Kyle Higgins. Wow. Bobby Jones. Again, we could talk about him for hours. But uh, thanks for sharing your insight this morning. Thanks very thank much. Thank you, Ann. Thanks, thanks so much. Time. Safe travels, Dr. Jones, up to uh, New York and Inwood Country Club. All right. Coming up, longtime Golf Channel contributor, reporter, and journalist Ron Syrak. He's going to join us live from Pebble Beach where the final round of this historic U.S. Women's Open will take place later this afternoon. But uh, first, let me tell you that as the brand ambassador for Ivy Cool, I can attest to the high-quality, performance-driven leisure apparel line that is perfect to wear on and off the course. Not only does the moisture sensor fabric keep me cool on the links, Ivy Cool garments also feature UPF 50 plus sun protection. All this plus a wide variety of colorful and stylish silhouettes and tops, shorts, pants, skorts, and dresses. And men can choose from any styles as well. Look your best, protect your skin, IBKUL. Learn more at IBKUL.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Welcome back to Talking Golf. How are you doing this morning? We now bring in Ron Syrak, longtime award-winning golf journalist, covering his 24th U.S. Women's Open, 190th major overall. Unbelievable. Ron, welcome to Talking Golf. How are you? Uh, I'm an old guy, Ann. (laughs) (laughs) No, you just started when you were a teenager. (laughs) You you know, a lot of times... uh, uh, and you've been around sports a long time, you know this. A lot of times uh, events are so anticipated, they don't live up to that anticipation. But this first U.S. Women's Open ever at Pebble Beach is sort of everything we thought it would be. It's been a special, special week here. You know, and there's nothing like playing Pebble Beach under sunny, clear skies. And uh, that's what the best women in the game got yesterday in the third round of the U.S. Women's Open. It was so much fun to watch them navigate this historic layout so difficult in the windy conditions ron but at least it was you know the sun was out and it showcases that course and these uh, and this fine you know the fine play of these top women in the game just beautifully yeah you know we had the uh 
the marine layer's been here all week, so the uh, um, it's been uh, damp, and we have that thick USGA rough, and the greens at Pebbles are so small, so small. If you miss greens, making up and downs around the greens is really difficult, and that's why the 66 by Nasahara Oka yesterday was just a brilliant round of golf. It was bogey-free. It was the low score of the day by four strokes, the low score of the week by two strokes. Just, a, just an awesome, awesome round of golf. It really was to watch her. So composed for what she's only 24 years old. But I want to, I'll get to her in a second, but I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, obviously Pebble Beach ha- having hosted, you know, what, six major championships prior to this one. And uh, it's it's difficult to believe that this is the first time they're actually hosting U.S. Women's Open, right? Why did it take so long? Yeah, you know, and there have been uh, uh, there were six uh, six U.S. Opens here, five U.S. Amateurs here. Uh, there were two women's amateurs played back here in the '40s, but uh, uh, you know what we're seeing here. There's an enormously positive trend that the USGA is doing to leverage their men's events to try to get better venues for the women's U.S. Open. You know, they go to place and say, hey, you want to have a men's U.S. Open somewhere down the road? you got to have the women in there, too. So if you look, we you know, two years ago, the women's Open was at the Olympic Club, and they've got coming up on their roster Oakmont, Riviera, Oakland Hills, Pinehurst Number 2, Chicago Golf Club, Marion. So the women are just uh, keep going to these better and better venues, and it's because the USGA has made that commitment to upgrade the attention for women's golf by getting them on the venues that, that the casual golf fan is familiar with, that they've seen the men play, and that brings fresh eyes at a product, new fans to the game. Absolutely. And the other positives, NBC Sports is broadcasting a record 12 hours of primetime coverage And I know a lot of people have been glued to their TVs watching, you know, this incredible golf course, you know, basically become a brutal test for for any players. And with the wind yesterday and it firmed up, it's been really compelling to watch how these best female players navigate. And then, of course, you know, the prize money, Ron, it – what is it? Eleven million this year. Two million dollars go to the winner. And here's something that I I think is interesting. Eight thousand dollars goes to everybody who did not make the cut. Did I get that right? Everybody in the field. Uh, uh, um, Mike Wan, the CEO of the USGA, said earlier this week we feel that just qualifying for the uh, U.S. Women's Open, and there were uh, you know uh, uh, more than two thousand women who tried to qualify to play this tournament. He feels just being able to qualify to get in the field, you deserve some sort of financial reward for that. So anybody who was one of the 156 players who made it here got $8,000, which, you know, covered their, their, their expenses for the week and makes it not a money-losing proposition for them. And, you know, and even more uh, impressive, the USGA upped the purse to $10 million a couple years ago when they brought in a presenting sponsor, Prometica Health. Well, Prometica ran into some financial troubles. They had to drop out this year, so they're not here. Still, the USGA not only maintained that $10 million, they raised it to $11 million, and they announced that next year they're going to $12 million. So, again, that commitment to upgrade the women's game is enormous. That's huge. That is so, so notable. And, you know, you've covered the women's game for a few decades now, and 
are you surprised with perhaps how long it has taken the women to, to, to make this kind of progress that they've made in the last couple of years? You know, better venues for championships, increased prize money, more TV coverage. What are your over thoughts about, overall thoughts about that? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, some of the governing bodies like the USGA and the PGA of America and the PGA of America is doing the same thing, too. They are leveraging their marquee events, the PGA Championships, the Ryder Cup, to get better venues uh, for the women's PGA. They just played at Baltus Roll. And I, I, think, uh, the, I think those governing bodies are realizing it's the right thing to do. It's good for the game to, to, to grow the game that way. I also think that corp- the corporate America is starting to realize the financial opportunities in getting involved in women's golf. That uh, uh, it, it, it's a product where uh, you can uh, um, you can make some money off of it because it is a growing it, it's a growing sport out here. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, this week um, they've done it right. This was a week long celebration of women's golf. Monday we had the past champions dinner. Thirty nine past winners of the U.S. Women Open were here. It's been cool seeing them wandering around all week. On Friday, we said goodbye to two icons, Annika Sorenstam and Michelle Wee. Said this is the last U.S. Women's Open they're playing, and and they're you know they're they're going to be gone. And everything about the week has highlighted the specialness of having a women's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Absolutely, just you can tell from reading and watching. You know, from my standpoint this week, and I'm sorry I'm not out there this week, um, but they've done, it's been classy, the whole way they've handled everything, you know, uh, and boy, Michelle Wee making that long uh, (laughs) pot, right, to finish up her career with her um, husband caddying for her, Johnny West, and uh, Annika playing with Michelle Wee. Annika, you know, you wonder if Annika even thought what, 15 years ago when she retired, that she'd ever come back and play a U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach, right? You know, uh, and I think that Annika is here this week because she realizes it was good for the game for her to be here. Uh, she knows this is too much golf course for her to handle now. She doesn't, she doesn't uh, have enough club speed anymore to get by. The, the Senior Women's Open is, is, is more in her wheelhouse right now. But she knew that being, you know, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I know her well enough. It wasn't easy for her to go out there and shoot an 80, you know, but she knew that it was the right thing to do. It was good for the fans. It was good to give everybody the opportunity to say goodbye to her. And it was good to bring some, some attention because there were people who, uh, who were going to write the Annika story. So it, what she did this week was really a selfless thing that was for the overall good of the game. Sure, and all those women playing now, the younger women, certainly looked up to her in her prime and were inspired by Annika. So I think it was great that uh, she actually came back out to play. All right, let's get back to uh, NASA Hatioka. Uh, boy, as you mentioned, what a stellar round, that six under in those conditions. And do you think she can close it out? I mean, she's had two runner-up finishes in majors, both going into playoffs. But this would be, you know, if she could kind of maintain and, and shoot another low score, this would be her first major title. Yeah, you know, she lost the, the 2018 Women's PGA at uh, Kemper Lakes in a playoff to Sung Yoon Park. She lost the 2021 U.S. Women's Open in a playoff uh, uh, at the Olympic Club. Uh, you have to think that she's she's learned from that. I was talking uh, to her caddy yesterday, uh, 
uh, Greg Johnston, and uh, he's sort of a secret weapon for her. He's won uh, he won four major championships uh, with Julie Inkster, including two U.S. Women's Opens. So he, he knows he knows how to navigate these waters. Uh, the 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 sort of scary thing for in my mind for her today is it's usually hard to follow up a, a really good round like her 66 yesterday with another really good round. But as hard as Pebbles playing, she's not going to need to go. That 66 got her back to the top of the leaderboard, got her into contention. I think if she could go out there today and hold on with something like a, a 70, a 71, or maybe even an even par 72, that'll be good enough to, to get the job done. And what's the forecast for this afternoon, and, and, and what kind of uh, layout will they have yardage-wise? Yeah, it's going to be, uh, uh, again, it's not going to get out of the low 60s here. Uh, they're going to get a little more wind coming up. But uh, the main thing has been that that because the marine layer had been here all week, uh, the golf ball's just not going as far as it's going. They, they played it yesterday about 100 yards shorter than they had played it Thursday, Friday. Uh, I haven't seen uh, the, the the numbers for what it's going to be yet today, but I would imagine that uh, they, they, they probably want to, to create some opportunities for people to get a little bit uh, aggressive. But uh, I, I still think it's going to be a day. Look, until Masahatoka shot 66 yesterday, there were precious few rounds that began with a six. You know, sure. Everybody was just sort of holding on and, and shooting a 70. Uh, I, I think today we're going to see a really good classic USGA survival test on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. And Bailey Tardy is a really good story, right? Well, she's ranked 455th in the world and had to qualify just to get into this U.S. Women's Open. And look at her. She's getting some major prime time coverage this weekend because of her play. Yeah, she's a rookie out of the University of Georgia. And uh, um, it, it'll be interesting to see. She had her bad round yesterday. You know, She shot 75. She was right there. It'll be interesting to see how she, she bounces back. I, I think a wild card to keep your eye on today who's really impressed me is Allison Corpus. Um, you know, at a, at a time when uh, the Hawaii State Junior Program was saying goodbye to one of their legends, Michelle Wee, they're saying hello to another uh, rising star. Allison's a second-year player. Uh, she finished last year strong, uh, top 20 finishes in her last four tournaments, finished fourth in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, listen to this. She, she took the COVID year to go back to USC and get her master's degree in global supply chain management with a graduate certificate in business analytics and sustainability. So. <laughs> Unbelievable. These women yeah. are so impressive. They really are because – you know, they're just, they, they're so accomplished off the course as well, right? But to watch them play and navigate Pebble Beach and, and some of these other historic venues has just been just so wonderful to watch. And, you know, what about Rose Zhang? Talk about a brilliant young woman. I mean, she won her first pro event she ever played in last month. I know she's at plus one overall. What do you think her chances are today? You know, um, Rose is, she's probably a little bit too far back to get in there, but I think she's going to get another top 10 finish here. And if you look at it, she won the first tournament she ever played as a pro. The second tournament she played was the women's PGA at Baltus Roll, and she finished eighth there. So she's off to a pretty impressive start. The thing to keep your eye on about Rose Zhang, she's followed the Tiger Woods model to getting to the pro game. 
She learned to dominate every step of the way. She's won everything. She won the U.S. Girls Junior, the U.S. Women's Amateur, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, the NCAAs twice. She, like Tiger Woods, you know, she did two years at Stanford. And she won 12 times at Stanford, breaking the record held by Tiger Woods, who won 11 times there. So she's, she's got the – you need three things to survive out here. You've got to be skilled. You've got to have a good competitive resume. And you've got to have the maturity, the maturity to handle the adult world of professional sports. And Rose Zhang's got all three of those elements. And, Ron, you're brilliant, followed your career through the years, continued success, and thank you so much for supporting the women as you have had have done all these years. It's just been great to see. Thanks for coming. Thanks for getting up early uh, oh, to come on talking hey, look, golf. If, if, I was back at, if I was back at my home on Cape Cod, I'd be on my deck drinking coffee, listening to the fans. So. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Ron Syrak, enjoy the final round of the U.S. Women's Open, and so appreciate you coming on for us this morning. Talk to you down the road, my friend. Thank you so much. My thanks to Ron. My thanks to uh, Dr. Bob Jones IV, to Kyle Higgins, to Ed Arzuman in the studio. Talking Golf with Ann Ligoria is brought to you by Ivy Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women, featuring the exclusive Iceville cooling technology, along with SPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. Hey, stay tuned for Mark Malusis. And I look forward to talking with you next Sunday morning right here on Talking Golf with Anne Ligori. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.